Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers, the Ankle Pick Podcast. We have a short staff today. Unfortunately, I am here with myself, Kobe, and Dan. Welcome. What up? What up? Reese is too well to attend, having some fun at the Big Ten conference tournament thought he was a big 12 guy personally but you know you learn something new every day and you can guarantee it's profitable if you're if you're listening hit up Reese for some college basketball picks this week because he's keyed in I'm sure he is uh nonetheless we're here for UFC Las Vegas we have a non-numbered Las Vegas card this week at non-numbered non-apex non-apex but I think they said they can get about 7,000 people in attendance at the Virgin Hotel, the, the theater at the Virgin Hotel. Hey, Dan, do you know where I turned 21? Uh, I, I think it was called the Hard Rock at that time. But it's that same building. It's a good time. That property. Good times back when I was a kid. Um, so that'll be fun. Before we get into this week, we have UFC 285 to recap. Obviously, big news there. Um, Multiple big news. One belt changing hands. One belt to an old veteran, if we'll call it that. Um, I guess let's get right into that. Let's talk UFC 285 off the jump here. Um, I have bonuses ready. I I guess I want to tee you up. Why don't you tell me what stood out to you early prelims or prelims? Let's go through there. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to harp too much on any fight. I was happy to see Loic Radzibov get the win. Um, the Basharat fight I thought was a lot of fun. I didn't think that uh, we'd see that much grappling, but it showed kind of another side of Farid I was excited about. Ultimately, I, I was really excited with that performance. Really slick armbar from Tabitha Ritchie. Is there a chance that got a, a performance bonus? I know there's a no lot of finishes. We got a lot of submissions, a lot of finishes. No bonuses till we get to the main card. Dang, I mean that 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 Ricci armbar was slick as heck. But um, yeah, uh, moving past that, Reese was all over Cameron. Simon was just kind of on top of Mana, beat him to the punch, and every and every um, every time they met in the middle, that, Ian Gary that scoring got weird in the Simon winner. He had a he yeah ten eight. Ended up winning what a majority. It was round one ten eight or round one nine nine from the uh, nut nut shot I think, um, which set everything up to be a little bit. But got two ten eights in the third. Right, necessary. Very interesting. Um, And then I was impressed with Ian Gary. Ultimately, it it was one sided, and Song Kinan is game. Uh, Very dangerous opponent. Ian showed great volume going into the third round. I was impressed with it, with his finishing ability. Um, I, I jumped in on Mark Andre Barrio after round one. I mentioned on the podcast last week that Julian is a fast starter. Um, and I think I got even like plus 165. That I mean, the second, the second round started, it looked like it was free money and MAB shut him down. Um, that was great. Amanda Hibas proved to be the better of the two Brazilians facing off. Um, I'll pause there. Looked- real quick. Extremely tough night for our science. Um, favorites went 2-0, and so our underdogs went 0-2, except for Alexa Grasso, who was outside of the range, mm-hmm. and the alternate science would have caught an L on Valentina. We'll get there later. Anyways, rough night for the science. Yeah. I, I can imagine. And, and you called last week that we were due for that big favorite to lose. Mm-hmm. I don't remember whether that was on air or not, but that was, I guess, props to you there. It's a tough one when it's my girl, Valentina. 
But um, yeah, Amanda Hebos looked like she was more of the minus 500 than minus 120 than it was. She was she had a lot of success on the feet, a lot of success grappling. I don't think it, I didn't expect her to have that much success on the feet. Um, I think that that moves us into no, no, we have two more in, in the prelims, but these could be big enough names that they could have been on a, any kind of pay per view main event. Drigas Duplessis, uh, Derek Brunson. Juan Brunson is he kind of has this mo. He wins until he falls off a cliff, and he showed he looked really great in that first round, and then some really devastating ground and pound corner throws in the towel. Commend them for that. Second but, time they've done it for him in two fights, right? Yeah. Ron Brunson, he's tough as nails, but ultimately, after you get like six, seven minutes of fight time, he he really falls off a cliff. Um, underwhelming in the Cody Garbrandt, Trevin Jones for three rounds. That was just low volume. Cody was comfortable the whole time. He got some grappling off. Um, won that whole second round with, with a lot of ground control, but, uh, yeah, this one was just kind of a snoozer for me. I I was unimpressed. I, I think I, I think I mentioned on the podcast last week that, um, Trevin Jones especially is a guy that can be so frustrating when he you see what he can do when he like unloads but he's so reluctant to throw and you sit there just frustrated. So that moves us into the main card. Um first fight on the main card, Bo Nickel, an arm triangle and a bonus, performance bonus. Good for Bo. Um ultimately I think that we're going to see a quick turnaround for him. I think there's already rumblings of him signing another fight. I'm not sure against who yep. yet. Maybe that's in news and notes. Uh, but no, yeah, the controversy in this one was on the nut shot. Right. And obviously that's, it's Bo's fault, but it's not so much something that like he should be. It's not a point of concern at all. Moving forward. It's on the ref to, to call and stop right. the fight and to Can take the position that, away. That Jamie Pickett right. said as much afterwards. He said it's not on Bo to protect Jamie Pickett during the fight. It's on the ref. And so if that goes uncalled, you know, Bo's just don't Bo's they have, don't they have play. replay review for for things like that? Can't the the ringside official to do it? I mean, I think they need a stoppage in order to do it. And there wasn't even a stoppage called, let alone like before they could yeah. potentially take a point. But ultimately, that takedown even if it wasn't affected by the the nut shot was extremely easy this guy it is would have come a minute fluid. later fluid this guy's fluid on the ground i mean he's yeah. so dang good we can't say enough about bone nickel and we knew that swiss cheese jamie pickett wasn't going to be much for him um that was represented in the line and then we have a lightweight bout between matush gamrot and jalen turner split decision win for matush gamrot yeah and i was surprised that it was split. I was surprised at the online outrage. I thought that pretty unanimously uh, Matouche had won two rounds and, and maybe all three. I thought that there was, I think round one was pretty close. Um, but I had some money on Matouche there and, and I, I wasn't so concerned until they started reading off a split scorecard and I was thinking that it was going to be a weird um, decision. But yeah, props to Jalen Turner. He's game. Um, Matush is a, a different level when it comes to securing those takedowns and winning rounds and, and, and winning minutes. Uh, I think it it's now come out or it's now being claimed Matush is saying that his camp was just anything but normal or good. He he wasn't it was sure. 10 days. Fight, he took the fight on 10 days. Right, he took the fight on 10 days and, and he said he was only able to train like three of them. He had to fly to Canada and back to get a work visa. He wasn't sure that the fight was even going to go on. Um, and yeah, for him to do that on, on such short notice without really any preparation against a guy as game and as as much as I respect Jalen Turner, this was a great, great win for Matouche. Smart fight all in all. Um, we then had a third round rear naked choke from Shavkat, your boy. Has to be, has to be a bonus. There is a bonus here. It's actually fight of the night. And even after Jeff Neal had missed weight, Dana basically said, fuck it, and gave them both fight of the night bonuses. Good for that. I mean, Jeff Neal performed incredibly well. 
Um, like like we mentioned for Bo Nickel, it wasn't Swiss cheese. Shavkat, I mean, met with, was met with resistance for may, maybe the first time in his career. Um, but by round three, it was pretty lopsided, and Jeff Neal was getting significantly, significantly tagged with everything Shavkat was giving him, and then ultimately kind of just gave him the like big brother choke standing guillotine or standing rear naked, sorry, um, to end things. It, and I think you can't be impressed enough with Shavkat. He, he's just, he's the real deal contender for 170. I think that we've been saying it for a while, but he's totally on a collision course with Hamzat if Hamzat can make weight. But, uh, I mean, everyone in the top five from Bilal, Colby, I mean, he runs through Jorge, but Gilbert and Kamaru and Leon, they, they all, they're all paying attention and keying in when Shavkat's fighting because they know that he's, he's coming for their spots. Yeah, seems like there's a long line. Well, maybe not a long line, but there's a couple guys that think that they should deserve the next title shot, depending on which way we get London's decision or London's bout going between Kamaru and Leon. Totally. Um, and I and I think that one of the great things about welterweight though is that aside from guys like Colby and 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 Jorge, they do they do fight each other. The top of the division really does fight each other. Like um I mean, even Sean Brady. I mean, Sean Brady was right, right there until he wasn't because he took he lost the fight to Bilal, and yeah, we've seen it a million times. Right, but Bilal fight anyone. Gilbert or Gilbert, Gilbert fight anyone. Up. I mean, maybe fight of the year last year. That was totally neither neither side of that fight needed to take that fight. Anyways, very high on Shavkat. I second that as well. Um, our co-main, we have a belt change of ownership in the women's fly, flyweight division. Alexa Grasso gets her title chance and takes advantage uh, with the rear naked Opportunistic. Choke. Valentina. Opportunistic as hell. You said take advantage, and, and that cannot be stressed enough. Um, this was a great fight. It was back and forth, but I had Valentina significantly ahead. Um, I thought that even if even if she loses that round and survives somehow, I think that she goes on to retain her belt. But major props to Grasso, snatching the moment. The only time it was given, I mean, you know, Valentina is going to throw spinning stuff every single time she fights. This was great game planning by Grasso. Yeah, we saw the video um, circulate of her training against that exact spin kick. Totally, and and this is one of those moments where great coaching and great preparation and, and film study really, really comes into play. I know we'll talk about in just a second about uh, how different fighters prepare for fights. You have Cyril Ghosn playing uh, FIFA while John Jones is watching tape and, and studying tendencies. And I mean, that, that extra level of preparation, that extra level of mentality really does come into play at the highest level in this sport. I got nothing else to add. Props to Alexa Grasso. Um, Valentina's had a long run. She'll probably get another chance here pretty soon. But uh, excellent fight. Majorly. Yeah, and I'm excited for the uh, UFC Mexico card. I'm sure it'll be in Mexico City because that's where they're building the performance. Yeah, they've, they've, got enough, they've got enough real title contenders plus Raul Rosas. Not title contenders, title holders plus Raul Rosas. That that's a no-brainer coming up here. I mean, soon. it'll be a loaded card. I mean, you're going to... I mean, it's going to have to have Grasso, Moreno, um, Yair, Yair uh, Ortega, um, like you mentioned, just Raul Rosas. Um, a lot I'm of forgetting a lot a big of fireworks one. on that card. Yeah, Irina Aldana could fight Amanda Nunes on that. Tons yeah. of fireworks. And 50K to Grasso there, too. Second performance bonus. But not to be – I don't know where I'm going with that – not to be diminished by the performance from John Jones, who also picked up 50K in one of the most fantastic returns, I don't know, I've, I've ever seen in the sport. John Jones, who hadn't fought since pre-COVID 2020, um, gets a first-round guillotine of Cyril Ghosn. Kind of, I mean, obviously it was in there tight, but the booth was stunned. Everyone was stunned to see it happen the way it did. Totally. Absolutely ran through him. One of the most one-sided title performances you can ever see um john jones really really exposed how much cyril is lacking that 
submission game. And I, I know that we've mentioned in the past that Cyril Gan was one leg lock attempt or non-leg lock attempt away from potentially beating Francis Ngannou. And again, it's simple grappling mistakes that are just biting him in the ass in the biggest moments in his career. Um, it's a really, really huge red flag going forward. And I think that there's an opportunity here for almost any heavyweight that can grapple at all. So, I mean, guys like Pavlovich, Blades, even Romanov that we're, we're talking about this weekend could seriously upset Cyril Gan in any kind of matchup he's got. That being said, it's just so weird at heavyweight that you just might not see that for it's got to take a perfect matchup where someone wants to go ahead and, you know, try to put that pressure on gone like that in that fashion. And I don't know, we, we saw Nganu end up winning a decision over Gan a year ago. I, it's just weird, but I, and I I'll do, admit, I'll admit I'm also a tiny bit disappointed. I don't feel like I got any questions answered about heavyweight John Jones. Yeah. Like I, I don't know anything about who he is as a fighter, who he is. I want to spend a little bit more time on that in particular, John Jones, and not really knowing what we're getting from John Jones other than what the two minutes that we got um, and the abrupt finish. Because for years and years and years, John Jones was a guy on fight night who, you know, walks into the octagon smiling ear to ear. Like there are other fighters that come in and they're a little tense and they're like trying to like be in charge of the moment and like be you know, taking it very seriously, we've seen John Jones come in smiling ear to ear, like, this is the one day where it's legal for me to fight somebody, and I'm the best in the world at what I do, and he came in a little bit tense at heavyweight, he, he didn't, we didn't see the patented John Jones grin when he was walking in, in from whatever, in from his training room or whatever, pre-fight, so uh, kind of just goes hand in hand with us not, still not totally knowing I'd imagine that now that he's got one under his belt and it's even kind of rumored that he's going to go ahead and fight Stipe International Fight Week, which is just in July. Like, I think that, I don't know, if we're expecting to get two John Jones fights in four months after not seeing him for three years, I think that's a little bit too much to expect until I see them in the octagon. But we, like you said, we just don't know what we're going to get from John Jones. It would be shocking to me if he wasn't even in better shape, looking better, and, and more comfortable the next time we see him in the octagon. Totally. And scary. yeah. And I think that the matchup for Stipe, somehow he's coming into this UFC division full of real contenders and fighting some of the most limited and, and most handpicked matchups for him, which is a little bit weird, but obviously it's the guys that are in line. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of Stipe being that next guy because there are some real talented guys there. Um, and, you know, you had Pavlovich, who was the, you know, emergency heavyweight that was weighing in and training. And obviously he's got a fight booked coming up here, what, in two weeks, three weeks? I don't know. It's coming up against Blades. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised to see how good John Jones looked, although some of that might just be how – disappointed I was in Cyril Gan, who I had always thought of as a really well-rounded heavyweight. Definitely. One more, anything else, I guess, before we get off of John Jones? I'm all, I'm all good. One more result that we had from UFC 285, Jake Gyllenhaal is suspended indefinitely and probably removed from MMA fighting for the rest of his career. Yeah, I'm excited to see that movie. Are you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not unexcited, but even just the way that that scene that leaked, obviously, from a million iPhones around the arena, like, it's a little too Hollywood for me. I, I don't know what the backstory is, but, you know, after uh, Chris Tyone pulled Jake Gyllenhaal off of, whoever the other actor is. And then he went back for more and then he went back for more. I mean, that's too Hollywood for me, but we'll yeah, see. I, mean, I'll, I'll I think it'll be a total of like 80 seconds in the movie. Yeah. Um, how was your card? It was good. I, I had a profitable live betting day. Profitable live betting. Um, I made a little bit 
I ended up betting gone, which is just classic. Like, I think that that's a smart bet, but just because the, the long layoff, not knowing what we're getting out of John Jones's camp, whatever, I don't need to talk myself into that bet anymore because it obviously was terrible. Um, My best bet of the day was plus 135, Valentina to win inside the distance, no. So I had her by, her by decision, her by decision and then also the whole Grasso side. I like that. That's a lot of. There's a lot on that. A lot of meat on that bone. Um, I parlayed Simon or Cameron Simon and Mark Andre Burial to win a little bit more than I lost on the gone bet. So slight green. Should we get off of UFC 285? Let's do it. Let's move to the news and notes. News and notes. Um, I guess not totally off of UFC 285, but the ultimate, or not the ultimate, but the tough cast was ultimately announced. Um, you want me to rattle off some names for you? Totally, let's do it. All right. I have Hunter Azure. You have Rico, there. Rico Disguilo. Man, I, I know I botched that one. Cody Gibson, Mondo Gutierrez, Brad Katana, Timur Valiev, Carlos Vera, Trevor Wells. That, I'm sorry, that was all bantamweight. And then that, there's looked- a lot of good names at bantamweight. I mean, Brad Katona, Timur Valiev. Um, who else? Six, of those, six of those names are contender series veterans. Totally. Um, I think Mondo. Had a UFC by fly on short notice. I'm not sure, but yeah, a lot of there's some fun names. Um, lightweight is the other class weight class that we have. No, we got Roosevelt Roberts there. He's one I, I really want to win. Roosevelt Roberts, Lee Hammond, Kurt Hollibaugh, Austin Hubbard, Nate Jennerman, Jason Knight, Aaron McKenzie, and Landon Quinones. Yeah, and another just. Pretty stacked, tough roster. I think I'm more excited for this season than I have been in, at all in the past. There were some rumblings this week that as they were filming, there was a whole hoopla in the ring post-fight, and we don't know who fought, And but apparently... I think Leave it to McGregor to somebody. climb over the, the yeah. cages. Excited to see when that one airs, that's for sure. Um, all right, keeping it moving here. Um, thinking about this week a little bit before we get to some other fight announcements, but... Abubakar Nurmagomedov out and being replaced by Jared Gooden this week against Carlston Harris. On like two days' notice, major shout-out to Jared Gooden back in the UFC. Um, Quick note on Krylov Span that's rebooked to this week from, I think it was supposed to be the main event, what, two weeks ago? That's going to be a 215 catch weight. And three rounds now instead of five, right? Three rounds instead of five. Um, all right, now we got some fight announcements slash. All right, four fights announced for May 6th. Obviously, we won't be setting the spread without Reese. And honestly, these fights don't have spreads yet. But Zalga Zumagulov back in the UFC and will be fighting Nate Maness. Good matchup for him. I, I, I thought it like he's kind of. Like Kobe said, right when this matchup got announced, expecting a split decision. But that's been. Zalgas has been a victim of these split decisions. Eventually, they're going to fall his way. He's a better fighter than the results of show. Um, Certainly. And Nate Maness is a guy that he should be able to stylistically match up well against. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a name that I don't know that you know, but I'm guessing that you know. Cron Gracie against Charles. Totally. That, that, this, Kobe, you're... Uh, My casual showing? A little bit. I mean, it, it's just it's just your timing of when you entered the UFC. Um, but yeah, Cron Gracie, jujitsu specialist, Gracie family, obviously. Go back and watch his him getting beat to hell by Cub Swanson. That was an all time great bet. I think Reese and I were both all over Cub before we did this pod. The before we did this podcast, uh, we were texting each other that night, and that was just an all time Cub Swanson turn back the clock beat down. Uh, but yeah, the excited to see Cron Gracie back. Um, both those fights, Zuma Gulab, Maness, and Gracie Jordan are at UFC 288 on May 6th. Two more to announce on that card. Is that the, uh, the Newark, New Jersey card? I believe so, because the April one's in Florida. That must be 
You said 288? 288. It must be. Because yeah, then Newark, New Jersey. Cool. Prudential Center. Um, Devin Clark and Kennedy and Chuck Wu will be on that card at Light Heavy. Banger of a matchup. Devin Clark on a nice little run here, too, right? I don't know. Unsubstantiated, but that is my reaction. Um, Jessica Andrade and Yan Jaonan also on that card. Quick turnaround for Andrade. Very quick. Um, she's game. She's done that a handful of times. Yan Jaonan games too is game two. Yeah, that that's should be. Uh, that's gonna be one where they meet in the middle, and I'm not sure who's gonna take the first step backwards. One week later, Biggie Boy, Jerzina Rosenstrike, and Jalton Almeida. I I mean, that's just a perfect matchup for Jalton. I feel I feel bad for Biggie Boy. Yeah, I'm I forget who we were trying to match make Biggie Boy with. It might have been even Derek Lewis, which would have been a much more advantageous matchup for him. Jalton Almeida is a real deal. Um, and ultimately we're still not gonna learn anything from Jalton. Like have him fight. Well, okay, so what's it going to take? I mean, is, what, what's it going to take for us to learn something about Jonathan Almeida? Is it I mean, he's, he's been absent from Pavlovich. No, but what about like Juan Espino, someone that just has that grappling skill set in their back pocket? Like, okay. so the same guy who showed the the limits of Romanov. I mean, I I, I see where you're coming from there. But, I mean, if I'm Jonathan Almeida, I'm not taking that fight because it's not a top 10 guy. Like, the people that he's going to have to go through on his upward trajectory are not going to have that skill set until you get to a Blades or, I mean, the same people we mentioned at the top. Ty Um, Burrow would test him or a Spivak. Fair enough. Um. Last fight to announce Myra Bueno Silva and Misha Tate for June 3rd. Misha Tate still at it. Good for her. Still at it. Um, that is it for news and notes. You got anything to add? I don't think I do. Quick, keeping it moving. Um, all right, we're at that time of the episode that we're going to get into this week's card. We mentioned it is UFC Las Vegas. It is happening this Saturday, March 12th from the theater at the Virgin Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. 2 p.m. Central Time prelims, 5 p.m. Central Time main card. We've got fans in the arena, and it is headlined by Pyotr Jan and Marab Devalishvili. So when we get there, I will just pretend to be Reese, and you can be your Pyotr, Pyotr Jan stand self. Um, you know I will. But first fight of the prelims, we have Jared Gooden and Carlson Harris. Yeah, and ultimately, as we work our way up to the main event, there are a lot of tough, tough fights to bet um, and a lot of weird lines. I like a lot of dogs in this. And ultimately, this is a fight I'm going to be passing on. Um, the short notice nature of it all is just is too much for me. It, like a week is different than three days. And Jared Gooden, good on him for getting back into the UFC um, by accepting this. I mean, he's a guy that kind of always had the skill set, uh, ultra durable, ultra tough, likes to bang. Um, I do see him standing and, and banging with Carlston for the whole time. Carlston himself has good hands. He's got a good front choke series, although I don't think we'll get to see it featured in this. Um, I, I just think that I, I don't want to include Carlston Harris at minus 300 in any of my parlays that I don't like Carlston Harris over there. Um, and it's just way too short notice for Jared, who is really doing anything to get back in the UFC at this point. And I, I kind of fully expect him to miss weight, given how short notice it is. It's just a a, a weird situation. Um, Bruno Silva favored about minus 200 over Tyson Nam at flyweight. This is a fun one. Um, Bruno Silva was on a pretty good streak there before he took the, this most recent layoff uh, 
dominant victories over JP Vise and Victor Rodriguez after taking Tagiru and Bekov to the limit. I remember having money on Tagir there and um, thinking that that was absolutely not guaranteed as it went to the decision. And I think that he was like plus 400, plus 500 or something like that. Uh, but he hasn't fought since May of 2021. He's fighting a guy that is a good matchup for him, I think. Tyson Nam himself has been on a pretty decent run. Um, I guess not much of a run, but he just finished Odie Osborne. Um, he's always game for that big overhand uh, or that big counterpunch. Um, that seems to be a part of his game that he's really reliant on, though. Uh, and so I, I do think that Silva's wrestling base and Silva's chin will keep him from getting knocked out and keep Tyson from finding that that power punch. Um, but ultimately, the layoff scares me. I think that he could gas after round one and and be in a weird spot. I think that a lot of th- this is definitely a spot to look at live. And if Bruno looks like he's slowing down or looks like he's having trouble finding that that takedown, and Nam is still throwing that big power. It could be worth jumping on the Nam side. Um, we have a bantamweight fight up next with an ankle pick favorite, Tony Gravely, um, fighting against Victor Henry. Gravely coming off the loss to Javed Basharat, where he kind of got outlinked, for lack of a better terminology. Um, and Victor Henry coming off of a loss to Rafael Sunsa, where he was kind of grossly mislined, but he was like a minus 400 favorite. Yeah, and and pre the fight before that against Hione, um, like set records for the amount of output he was throwing, and so the idea was that he was going to have the same amount of output against a historically low output, low volume counter punching a Sun Sao, uh, and that was not the case. He fought to a Sun Sao's pace, and I think that this fight versus Tony is going to have come to who really leads the dance. Is it going to come? Because we know how Tony's going to fight. Tony's super well-rounded, great wrestling base. He comes at you, dog on a bone, good boxing to to disguise the takedowns and set them up. Uh, but he's going to shoot for those takedowns in all three rounds, multiple times. He's tough as nails. Um, and we know he's going to have a wrestling advantage. The question is, who who kind of gets their game plan going? Because at his best, Victor game Victor Henry... It's just crazy volume and the volume along with the length of what you mentioned is a lot to do with why Tony had so much trouble with Javid Basharat. Um, he couldn't and, get anything into Javid Basharat. I, the, I, I get that it was volume that ended up being what did him in, but he couldn't get, uh, he couldn't put any pressure forward. I mean, he couldn't get within, a foot of where his striking was going to be able to help him disguise a takedown. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. And ultimately how I see this one playing out is Gravely having a great round one. Um, I do think he'll have success closing the distance against Victor Henry a lot more than he did against Javid. I think he'll be able to get Victor down. Um, I'm worried that that's going to be the only thing going for Tony. I'm worried that he's going to fall into trouble on the feet early um i do think a win round one i kind of think it might be a live bet spot to get on victor henry just as the volume starts to go and if if gravel is not getting those takedowns with ease but ultimately the the spot i'm looking at here is the over two and a half at like minus 165 i'm seeing it uh i i don't see either of these guys being able to dominate one another and i do think that victor henry's sub game he, he's knowledgeable on the ground he's not just going to be taken down and submitted with ease but um the game plan for tony is going to be to win as many minutes on the on the ground because i think he's going to have trouble dealing with victor's volume fair enough fair enough looking forward to that one being an ankle picker um women's flyweight ariani lipsky and jj aldrich aldrich your favorite at about minus 400 and this is a weird one because J.J. Aldrich shouldn't be a minus 300 versus anyone. I really believe that. Um, I mean, she looked really good in that loss against Aaron Blanchfield, who has just looked incredible. 
Uh, I think that she might have even won that first round. But either way, she was giving Aaron a lot of trouble. Um, she's got good striking at range. She's got better volume than than Ariane Lipsky does. Uh, she's Lipsky's got good also her last weigh-in was at one thirty-five. Is she normally fighting at flyweight or bantamweight? Her fight against Cashuera was bantamweight. Um, and flyweight before that for Mandy Bone. I don't know. Yeah, I think she's been a flyweight for most of her career. Okay, but um, worth noting. I mean, yeah. she looked awful against Cashuera. She got knocked out uh, by Priscilla. She got knocked out by Montana De La Rosa. She got knocked out by Antonina Shevchenko. Um, yeah, ultimately, I have no interest in betting Ariane Lipsky. I, I do not think she's UFC level. I don't think she has anything to offer J.J. Aldrich, but the line is way too, way too wide for me for women's MMA for – for any of it, it's just, yeah, I, I have Aldrich on a different level. I won't be touching it. Fair enough. Uh, Bantamweight bout, Mario Batista, huge favorite over Guido Canetti. That is minus 1,100 Batista. Yeah, really, really untouchable. Um, I mean, Mario Batista has, has shown to be really awesome. He, he's a product of the MMA, MMA lab uh, out there in Arizona. And, um, I mean, his wrestling has been great. His boxing has been catching up to be, you know, at an elite level. Guido Canetti's got a good round one punch in him for, to maybe pull it off. Uh, that's, that's really the only way I see this not going Batista's ways. Cause I, I do think the longer this fight goes, it's Batista's, um, most likely by sub. I, I, didn't love the line when I looked at it. I thought, I think it was near even, but um, yeah, but I expect Batista to come in here, take Guido Canetti down early and um, put him out of there. I, I do think that this one doesn't go the distance. It's not playable. Don't want to spend a ton of time on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Batista didn't finish Jay Perrin. So that, there's a concern. Um. Next fight on the prelims is a fight that I actually already have a bet on, which is pretty rare for me, but I'm on Dumas. I'm sorry, Cedric's Dumas over Josh Friend. Dumas' first UFC fight since his first round win, like contender series. Friend, who's what, maybe the tallest middleweight, but has a reach disadvantage in this one. Yeah, and this is an interesting one. There's a lot of people, like you just mentioned, uh, that are really excited to see Dumas or Dumas. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name. Fight. Um, he's unproven. Very decent grappler. I like his submission game. His striking game is is kind of a lot of kicks, really, to stay active and and keep his distance, but don't have a ton of setup. Um, I'll be interested to see if he can have an effective dominant grappling game against Josh Fremd. I do think that the line's a little off. I really have to say it. And I, I think that maybe I'm biased here. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, you remember I, I facilitated the ankle lock on Josh Fremd last year. That That's what where stuck he, in my head. Why? I yeah. He, uh, but if, if you door. remember that fight, if you remember that fight, he was leading the dance at distance, out voluming, and then got his head ripped off. Is that true? I don't remember it that way. I remember it being pretty fairly exchanged. And then I definitely, I definitely thought that at distance, uh, friend was having a lot more success than Trayshawn and ultimately which, made which a, a brutal in decision. In the height and reach exchange there. Mm-hmm. And that mental lap is, I mean, it's terrible. It's a fight losing mental laps. Um, but I do think it's trainable. It's not so much like, I don't know, like Cody Garbrandt's chin, um, where you where you can't just become tougher. Uh, you can totally train yourself on on where to place your head or or how to not set up just like a naked guillotine um, or a naked takedown, forcing the guillotine. And ultimately, I'm going to pass on this. I, I think that Dumas wins. I don't 
I don't think there's a ton of value in the line where it currently is. I'm seeing like minus 200 on an unproven prospect. Um, I think Frem's got more experience. I think Frem is going to give him trouble. Fair enough. Um, you were right. I went back and looked at some stats about the Frem, Treshawn Gore. He definitely was outstruck on the feet, but he had uh, three takedowns and two and a half minutes of control. And mm-hmm. one just a minute into the second round. So had a lot of control time in that first, clearly. Um, bantamweight bout is the second to last fight on the prelims, Rafael Sunsau and Davy Graham. And what a weird one. I mean, you have a legend in Sunsau uh, who's definitely getting up there in age. But if you had told me, like, two years ago when we started the show that I was going to get a Sun Sao as a dog against Davy Grant, I would have like laughed in your face. Um, but that's what we have. And Davy Grant being the younger, more athletic fighter is probably rightly favored. I mean, he he's absolutely game. He has good volume, good power, uh, kind of hits you from awkward angles. Fought really well against Cheeto Vera. Fought really well against uh, Adrian Yanez, both in losses. But, I mean, great performances to follow that big upset against Jonathan Martinez. Um, but similarly to what I was mentioning when we were talking about uh, Victor Henry, Sun Tzu has this ability. He's one of the best counter uh, counterpunchers in UFC history. He has this ability to slow down the pace of the fight, make people fight at his pace, um, and really kind of get them frozen. He's very calculated, um, and he's still being able to kind of limit these these bigger volume guys. And so I'm struggling because I really, really want to bet a Sun Sao at dog money. It's it's the reason I'm struggling is because in this in this this sport is not too kind to aging veterans or, or legends so, of the sport. The the age gap isn't as stark as I had as I thought when I was looking at the names. It's a Sunsaw who's 40 and obviously much more fight tenured. He's had twice as many fights against Davy Grant, who's 37. Right. It, I, I think it's more the tread on the tires. Yeah. It's a Sunsaw fights like he's 42. And Davey fights like he's 33. Um, ultimately, I think that Davey is able to uh, just outland a Sun Sao. I don't think a Sun Sao's wrestling is going to gonna factor in here. I also won't be betting this. And if I do, it's going to be on the Sun Sao side. But um, I think Vic, I, I just think Davey's going to be able to lead the dance as, as the more athletic fighter and control where this really takes place. And it won't be a counter striking um, clinic from, from a Sun Sao. The prelim main event has Carl Williams favored over Lucas Bresky. Carl Williams making his UFC debut coming off of a contender series unanimous decision over Lawson. Yeah, and this is another one where I just I don't know a lot about Carl Williams. I'll admit that, um, but I'm not so sold. I don't see why he's a minus two fifty, minus two sixty in some places favorite. Um, he's not fully a natural heavyweight. He's fought at light heavyweight for a lot in his career. Um, he's got good hands. He uses wrestling well, but he's not dominant or overwhelmingly exciting in, in kind of any department. So he's just hard to back at this price. Lucas to me doesn't seem like he's going to blow anyone out of the water. He's he's not an extremely high level heavyweight either, uh, but he does have good volume. He is tough. Um, I, in my notes, I wrote that he has good heavyweight for heavyweight. I wonder what I meant there. But um, he is game. He, he, he is an absolutely game fighter, not a trash can by any means. And from what I've seen, from the limited that I've seen from Carl Williams, I'm just not sure why this line is so so wide. Um, but no interest in the Bresky side, just pass? 
I might find myself with a sprinkle on the Bresky side. His combinations are good. He mixes to the body well. Ultimately, it's not about I trust very much at heavyweight with just two really low, low level guys or unproven guys. One of them could, either one of them could completely surprise me and make me eat my words there. But uh, for me, they're not guys I've earmarked as former ranked fighters or future ranked fighters, not former. Um, I'll let Danny take a breath and have a sip of water as I introduce the main card, which again will be. And water, I as I see that sipping on Pearl Snap, so that's on me. Um, where was I? Main card this week again, live fans in the building. This is a 3 p.m. local time main card. Um, yeah, six fights. Looking forward to it. The six fights fight- and and three could be main events. Three could be main events, two of which were scheduled as main events. Um, yeah, there you go. First fight on the main card, light heavyweight bout between Vitor Petrino and Anton Turkaj. Vitor, another guy that I just don't know so much about. Um, very raw, very exciting, uh, powerful, physically looks huge prospect uh he's got a lot of quick finishes against really lower level competition here um on his regional scene but i'm not sold on it on his cardio obviously we've just never seen or only once seen him go past the second round uh he did win a unanimous decision in his second fight but um ultimately when you're just finishing guys that are uh are beneath you it doesn't show you or it doesn't show me as a gambler a whole lot on the other side um anton the pleasure man turkalj kind of feels one-dimensional big swedish wrestler um i do think that if this fight goes past the first round he's game but i also think that if you like turkalj at even money why not wait till the end of round one and get him at like plus 180? I think that Vitor is going to start fast. I think he's going to go out there and try and finish Turkalj. Um, and if Turkalj, if Turkalj has the gas tank and is, is aware and can survive that first kind of on. He survived the first with Jalton Almeida. Right. Or almost the first. That was the very end of the first, right? Was it? Am I reading this wrong? Anyway. Um. He put up a showing that was, yeah, you're right. He went almost a full five minutes. But yeah, and that's grappler on grappler. This this could be a case where uh, Petrino, is, is that was is, is that, yeah, Petrino, um, Bobby's kind good. of extend. <laughs> Bobby went down to Brazil uh, <laughs> and had Vitor. But yeah, this could be the case where Vitor has some cardio issues because he's just unproven. Um, fair enough. It's tough with these guys that have what I sixteen combined career fights, and uh, one of which are in the UFC. It's tough to really have a real knowledgeable opinion. Um, but I will say that the if you're on the Turkow side, and I I, I like that wait till the end of the first and get him at a plus number because Petrino is going to come out firing. And that's just how the matchup of striker versus grappler works. Totally. Um, all right, moving on up. Saeed Nurmagomedov and Jonathan Martinez. Nurmagomedov taxed to minus 240. And I think you said it right there with Nurmagomedov tax. And that that's going into the line. That's going into people's breakdowns I'm seeing. That's going into texts I'm getting from friends people see Nurmagomedov and they're like oh dominant pressure wrestler that's not Saeed for you he, he's more of that dag fighter uh the like Magomed Sharipov kind of flashy striking um fast and accurate uh like diverse kicking game lots of spins 
not so much your drowning wet blanket pressure wrestler uh, cage wrestling that, that you see from certain Nurmagomedovs. And I do expect this matchup to take place fully in the striking realm, which is great for Jonathan Martinez, who himself is a very proficient striker. It's not the same kind of striking as Saeed. It's very much a more direct to the punch kind of delivery of uh, calf kicks, body kicks straight up the middle, um, works behind the jab well, good volume. But I do think his cardio training at elevation in Denver is going to hold up a lot more than Saeed's. We've seen Saeed gas. We've seen Saeed in some pretty tough moments against guys who I think are, are worse strikers than Martinez. And obviously there's, there is the propensity for Saeed to get a choke or somehow snatch up a sub because he, he is dangerous there, but it's, I don't see him going out there to implement this big pressure, heavy wrestling game, which is exactly what Jonathan Martinez wants. He he wants to stand with you and he thinks that he's going to outvalue you. And I'm inclined to agree at plus 225. I think that's almost a gift of a number. You're kind of talking me into Jonathan Martinez there. I, at least worth, worth the sprinkle, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I definitely will be on it in some capacity, probably not so big. We say it all the time with different people, but you don't get rich betting against Nurmagomedovs. Yeah. Um, I think I said it last week with John Jones. <laughs> I think you did say that last week. Uh, if there are Nurmagomedovs to bet against, though, it were the two that were on this card. It was Saeed and Abubakar. I guess Abubakar being priority number one. Um, anywho, we have Ricardo Hamos and Austin Lingo fighting at featherweight. Hamos as a pretty sizable favorite, minus 360. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Ramos. I'm not the biggest fan of this line. Uh, this one won't be touching any parlay I have. Uh, he almost has been trending upwards though. He's been really impressive. Only losses in the last like four years are Lerone Murphy and Zubara Tukugov. That Zuba fight was very close. Um, I think we watched that Kobe in your backyard. That was that daytime yeah. card full of Russians, but uh, he's very talented, but also low output kind of relies on those takedowns to win rounds, which is why he had so much trouble against Zuba. And Lingo is kind of your classic sprawl and brawl guy. He's, he's there to defend those takedowns. He's there with the volume, and he's, he's there as a dangerous knockout threat late in the fights. And I do think that this is a lot closer than the, than the line suggests, and I think that Lingo will be game even as, as this fight goes late. And with Ramos being low volume, if he's not securing takedowns, this will be a greasy spot as it gets to that third round. So not touching the Hamos side, but only because you don't like the line, I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, All right. Let's get into what was light heavy for five rounds and is now a catch weight for three rounds. Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spann two weeks later than we expected to have this one. Um, yeah, get in there. Both I guess, guys. I guess we already spent a little bit of time on this two weeks. Yeah, ago. we did. Um, I think that when we broke it down, I was on Krylov. Ultimately, I'm moving to a pass just with him pulling out due to illness, the line not moving a whole lot, it moving to catch weight, which I really think advantages or gives Span a bigger advantage than Krylov. I think Span's a lot bigger of a guy uh, just in terms of their natural frame. Um, but yeah, both guys are very dangerous finishers. I don't think that this one sees the scorecards. Um, ultimately, I think Nikita Krylov has more tools and more ways to get it done. I can't back him after, after just pulling out two weeks ago. Um, and Ryan Spann being as dangerous as he is. Yeah. Uh, the illness leading to a catch weight means that it was something that was, you know, of note at least. And that has also spooked me a little bit. Um, if anything, I'm probably looking at spans number plus money and 
I don't know, it, my nature of liking to sprinkle on a handful of underdogs, this span might qualify there. Um, all right, we have a heavyweight bout between Alexanders, Volkov and Romanov. Romanov, your slight favorite in the minus 150 range. And that makes sense. I mean, on paper, you've got heavy grappler, heavy striker. We tend to favor the grapplers on this show, Ankle Pick Podcast. Um, but Romanov did show that he's he's very beatable if you can limit that wrestling and extend this fight. Uh, Marcin Tybura, who has kind of fallen into that heavyweight gatekeeper role, really showed us that path. And like I mentioned early on in the show, Juan Espino showed that uh, the longer that you make Romanov fight and the longer, the more that you make him wrestle, um, the sketchier it gets and, and the more his gas tank really wears out. Romanov, or I mean, sorry, Volkov, the problem is he's never been a great wrestler, especially defensively. I mean, Aspinall went through him quick. Uh, blades. Yeah, Blades. I mean, took him down like, what, seven, eight times. Um, it's a tough matchup for Volkov. He's going to have a huge advantage on the feet. Uh, every round starts on the feet. He's got a lot more experience. If he can keep the fight on the feet, it's his to lose. I don't think he does that. I think in round one, he gets taken down for sure. And if he can fight off the subs, it's it's tough. I've got this picture in my head of the Aspinall um, passing guard easily grabbing that arm. And, and that straight arm lock was just too easy for him to secure. And it's sketching me out. But ultimately, I'm going to look to live bet Volkov after round one if he can make it out of there. I do think that his experience should come in, in handy. I think that Romanov has shown not so much his ceiling, but his current level. You don't make the leaps and bounds that I'm looking that he needs to make in terms of his cardio um, in just a couple months. I, I think that if he can't sub or ground and pound, if he can't get Volkov out of there in the first round, I think if, if we see him slowing down, I'll be live betting Volkov pretty heavily. Another spot where going to be looking to live betting. And Danny's been on top of that more so than anybody else here. So keeping an eye on that one. Um, all right. Should we jump to the main event? And I am disappointed that we don't have Reese here with us for the Mirab Piotr Jan fight, but not nearly as disappointed as Dan, as this would likely turn into one of the better ankle pick breakdowns. Um, so I'll just start by saying Mirab. And you know what? I guess before I want to give you the floor. You covered it. I mean, you covered it there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I formed this opinion off of hearing you talk about Piotr Jan. I also believe, along with you, that he is the most skilled bantamweight in any promotion. I think that he he did he should have won the weird split decision against Sean O'Malley. You can argue that he's never lost. Period. Well, that's the problem because he finds ways to lose. And whether it's an illegal knee or whether it's not doing enough to like win a decision, like I, I'm not going to sit here and argue that I think that Sean O'Malley won the, the split decision that obviously he did win. But I, I rewatched that fight and I'm like, you know what? Like he didn't necessarily do enough to make it decisive in a way that the best bantamweight in the world should have. So I, I, I'm sitting here. That one's tough because you. it's a three-round fight, and inherently Piotr treats every fight like it's a championship fight. Like he he takes that first round, and I won't say it's like Izzy, but he's analyzing you. He he's finding reads. He's showing you feints. He he's and particularly he's, in that matchup where he's severely outsized. Right, and it's tough in a three-round matchup to take a round and, and just analyze and and to try and figure out your opponent. And you're right. Ultimately, it was a close fight. I scored it for, for Piotr. Piotr, for me, like you said, it. in my opinion, is the best bandweight in the world. He could be the best all-around fighter. 
period in the world if some some things go a different way um boxing incredible volume incredible his reads his game plans um I mean, it, it's just so calculated. And it, it, this might be a step too far, but I'm honestly confident in it. I've been weighing with it all day. But I even think he's the better grappler in this matchup, and I think it's by a good number. Um, he took Aljo down seven times in their first matchup. He made it look easy with those foot sweeps and everything. Uh, he stuffed Aljo... I don't have the number in front of me, but I think Aljo shot for over 20 takedowns in that, in that most recent fight, he landed like one or two of them. And obviously he was able to secure some positions and win full rounds with that back take and, and, and whatnot, which was a huge problem. But Aljo, as much as they train together, Marab is not on the same level grappling as Aljo. He's just not Marab. He's a machine. Like his nickname suggests dog, dog looking for a bone, uh, He's he's one he has one gear and it's full speed. He's gonna shoot takedowns. He's gonna not, never stop shooting takedowns. He's gonna constantly move forward. His pace is unreal. His heart is unreal. I don't want to take anything away from Marab. His skill level is just not not on the same as Piotr Jan. It's not on the same as an Aljo. And I really do think that that Piotr gets back into the wing column here very decisively. I think the mentality he has of, of things being taken from him uh, totally cannot go ignored. Um, but ultimately for Reese, I think that this fight will answer kind of his golden question that he's been clamoring about for, for years now of can Marab eventually be good enough to win a title? I think that even with a loss, we'll, we'll learn that. I think that we'll see him tested uh, to the nth degree over five rounds. Um, and I think he'll have moments. I think he's going to start fast. He's going to be Marab. I mean, he, he, Marab is an animal. Marab will come after you. Uh, and I, yeah, ultimately I won't be surprised if he wins that first round. I will probably be re-adding on, on my Piotr Jan. I, I grabbed him. I don't want to like, I don't want to advertise this as a, as a play, but I, I, grabbed it when it was closer to minus 200. I probably wouldn't play it at minus 250, but I'll probably be re-adding on after live after round one live um, as long as round one plays the way that I'm imagining it to. But the props I'm looking at are Jan in round four and Jan in round five. I do think that ultimately he's going to solve the puzzle that is Marab and finish Marab. Uh, that's where I was going to get to. I was going to say, so you think this goes five rounds or do you think that we're going to get a finish? How decisive are we talking? I, I can't obviously go in the weeds and go and and talk you in or out of the grappling prowess, the the levels prowess between these two. Um, that's that's not my place here. Um, but I, I just, as good of a fighter as Piotr Jan is, and I, I am being forced to kind of t- to play devil's advocate here. I, I've just seen him. You know, I, I really don't even want to get back into it because I I, t- I tend to agree with you. I think that Jan is much better. I, I've seen Marab, and honestly, I've seen Marab look a little bit underwhelming a handful of times. I've seen him look great against Aldo. All that together, I'm going to end up on Jan's side. I'm not already in, so I'm, you're kind of talking me out of playing minus 250, which I get. If there's a if there's a live spot, I might be there. I like your talking points on four or five finish. Maybe that's the, a spot for the me. The difference in takedown defense is just – it's another level that Marab's ever faced. It, it It's another level than anyone has in the UFC. I mean, it's – I feel like I'm doing Reese a disservice to not have anything to push back against here against you, but that that's, I'm buying what you're selling. Reese and I might have like a one-off if we can catch him. Uh, and then maybe we'll get do a back and forth on this a little bit more. Uh, Cause like you said, he, he's, he's got to do this justice. I mean, right. We'll, we'll get this, something. There. This is his shot. Biggest test for Marab career. And uh, it's a real back against the wall moment for Piotr Jan. I'll be really sad if Piotr loses this and ends up out of the UFC. 
Um, well, we saw him after we saw him after the Sugar Sean fight, saying that he never he doesn't even know if he's into it anymore. He can't take all these split decisions and DQs that obviously he deserved to be DQ. But like you know, he's putting this on himself in a way that it's weighing on him. So back against the wall, maybe not for like his. I don't know, maybe not for Dana wanting him to fight in the UFC because Dana knows as well as we do that he's a really high-level fighter. But you're right. There, there's something to maybe this is it if he doesn't, if things don't go his way. Yeah, I, I could totally see him walking away from the organization, less so the sport. Yeah. All right. That is UFC Las Vegas. Um, did that pretty quickly, so I'm proud of that. Run a tight ship over here without Reese though we miss him and uh again we'll hope to get something out we're um, just missing one half of the of the back and forth and uh, of, of the commentary um we will look to have that other half we'll, we'll get something out there between yourself and him and talking marab versus kyoter um, but ultimately we're saving you money he's gonna talk you into marab <laughs> well I guess that's going to be the last word here. So, Dan, why don't you go ahead and sign us off until next time. Oha, brother. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.